Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. feel like I need to stand up and salute as we start the second hour. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to At Your Service, 906 in St. Louis. Dave Simons filling in, certified financial planner by day and the occasional fill-in guest host in the evening. Welcome. So I want to sort of continue on this vein about long-term investing um, by yeah, sort of touching on something that I referenced in the first hour, but bear with me here. Think about it this way. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think the stock market is going to do in 2024? What's your guess? You think it's going to be up a little bit? Uh, maybe a lot, maybe 25% or more. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? Maybe it's flat. Maybe you're agnostic. Eh, it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't move one way or the other. Or you think we got a real true bear market. You just don't like a lot of the issues that we potentially could face next year. And you're afraid the market could not just correct, but, ooh, do we even use the word crash? I mean, your, your opinion's valid. And I say that is sort of what I touched on in the last hour, that nobody knows. Nobody And I'm serious about that. There are people on Wall Street who get paid a lot of money to look at all the data. Highly intelligent people look at all the information in front of them. And they come up with some prediction. I think the market is going to do this. And they will be wrong. And in many cases, way off the mark. So, I talked about the last hour how the average consensus estimate for next year is in the upper single digits. And it's that way every year. Why do they do that? Think about this. Why, if you're a market strategist and you're well-known and you appear on CNBC and Fox Business and you get quoted in Barron's and the Wall Street Journal and you've made a pretty good name for yourself and you say next year, you know what, I think the market's going to do okay. I think it's going to be up about 8%. Why Why would you consistently be in kind of that area? You want to avoid career risk. If you really go out on the ledge and say, man, I really like what's in front of us here. I think inflation is going to continue to incrementally come down. I think the Fed is probably going to cut at least four, maybe five times 
And as much as people worry about the elections, it turns out the history of the market, really, they don't pay much attention to elections. Proof positive. People thought when Trump won in 16, a lot of analysts said, oh, the market's going to crash. Went straight up right after that. Well, if Biden wins in 2020, watch out. The market's going to crash. Nope, went straight up until um, we got into 22. But the first 15 months, roughly, market went straight up. The market really does not ever move based on the person in the White House. That's just the fact. So you do this because you fear career risk. So if you say, I think the market's going to be up 25%, and it actually goes down 20%, you're getting called into the boss's office. You do that two years in a row, you're gone. I know that for a fact. I I go back to the 2000s, a great recession, when I worked at another firm, a very well-known firm, and there was a, 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 a well-known market strategist, and he was rightly bearish, but he was a little early. He was a little bearish before 08 came around, and he got a a call or two wrong, and he, I don't know if he was fired. I mean, he resigned, but, you know, was he pushed out the door? Probably. Now, he's thriving and actually runs his own business and does quite well as a market strategist and economist, and I actually buy his research because I really like what he has to say. But he was pushed out the door back in the day because his crystal ball showed that something bad was going to happen, and he went public, and it didn't happen right away. And the firm said, ah, oh, you can't be doing that, man. We're trying to get people investing. We're trying to get people to send in money. And you're sitting there. You work for us, and you're telling people the market's going to go down because there could be some housing crisis or housing bubble. What are you talking about? Career risk. You could do it the other way. And you could say the – let me put it this way. How many times do you think the stock market has actually finished – between 6 and 10%. And I'm going to use since 1926. So, my friends, we're looking at almost an entire century. 98 years, if we include 26 through 23, that's 98 years of data. Pretty good sample size. How many times has the broader stock market, as measured by the S&P 500, finished between 6 and 10%? You would think quite a few times. Not half. Maybe not even a third, but quite a few times, right? Because the long-term average, think about this, the long-term average of the stock market of the S&P without dividends is 7%. With dividends, it's 10.4. So there you can see why people would say, well, the long-term average, 7 to 10, depending on if you're including dividends or not, but right there in the upper, upper single digits, it's happened five times. Five times. Out of 98 years, has the market actually had a calendar year that got anywhere close to its long-term average? You know why now I say averages are meaningless? It's laughable. Do not listen to people who use averages as some kind of guidepost to build investment plans. It's basically meaningless. Now, you can... You can say that, yes, over time, your portfolio might do about this, but not in any particular year. It's all about sequencing of returns. Returns are very chunky. You get these huge gains in a short amount of time, and then maybe the market sits or it'll come down. And then you'll get these huge gains. We've been experiencing that in just the last month and a half. By the way, when were those five times? The first time it ever happened, and we're starting in 1926, the first time it ever finished between 6 and 10 
was actually 1956 when the S&P was up 7.4%. And then what's really interesting, this to me is a statistical anomaly. I don't think that there's any meaning behind it or any reason why this happened. But four of the five times occurred in a 15-year period. Very interesting. From 78 to 93, the market finished between 6 and 10%. In fact, right at, with dividends, right at 10% in 1993. So there you go. Only about 5% of the time. Do you realize that the market has finished up more than 20% dozens of times? Isn't that interesting? Did I talk about chunky returns? The market has finished down more than 10% 12 times. So if you're an analyst, you are better off, if you're really trying to be accurate, you are better off predicting, you know what, 2023. And fill in the blank. It's either going to be up more than 20%, like it's happening this year for both the S&P and the NASDAQ, or down more than 10%, which is what happened last year. See my point? When's the last time that the market ever finished between 6 and 10%, which is always every year where the consensus is? Oh, 30 years ago. It doesn't happen. So please, I leave you with that. Note, very important note, do not think that somehow that you're going to get some 6 to 10% return in the market because it rarely ever happens. You invest long-term, and you know over time you will make money. If you don't make ridiculous mistakes, you don't have single-stock risk where half your money is in one thing, whether it's Bitcoin or one particular stock, don't do it. Stay diversified and think singles and doubles more than home runs. I know it's not sexy. It's boring. It's not exciting. But exciting rarely ever gets you to your goals long term. Boring is always beautiful. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
I'm just sitting here listening to the music. I mean, I'm entranced by this. Love this time of year. Well, except for the cold weather. I'm not a cold weather guy. But anyway, 918 in St. Louis. Dave Simon's filling in. Happy to be here, everybody. Thanks for um, tuning in to KMOX and uh, specifically this very show. Always appreciative of that. Uh, years ago, and I'm thinking, gosh, I was probably in my teens, which means this would have been back in the 70s. My dad, who was a college professor, now retired, um, he, in fact, uh, next week he turns 85. Wow. And he's, in, he's doing very well. But he took me downtown here in St. Louis to help a former colleague of his, another professor, move into some kind of low-income housing, which you're thinking, wait a minute, uh, ex-colleague, college professor, low-income housing, what's the story? Well, I don't know the details, and if I did, I wouldn't provide them anyway, but in general, this friend of his decided that it was time to speak out against the administration of this particular college. And he had been doing this for a while, and he was rubbing people the wrong way, but he felt really that th- this was important. He needed to, to get this off his chest. And others were telling him, you know, you might want to just cool it. I wouldn't die on this hill. I mean, I know we have tenure, but you're, you're taking a little to the extreme. And he, and he wouldn't stop. And he was fired. And his life spiraled out of control. He, he was heavily involved in some drinking. And it just, it was really a sad story. And I didn't fully comprehend it until many years later. He did pass away. He did not live a long life. Um, but I remember going into this very, oh, kind of stark, empty, one-room place downtown. And I felt for the guy. And I just remember thinking, I remember seeing him at the college, going and visiting my dad and there this guy was, and now this is how he's living. And I re- this the reason I tell you that story is after we were actually helping him to move into this place, so I was helping to lift some furniture and things. And I'll never forget my dad saying, David, it's, it's always good. It's always good to have principles. And there's nothing wrong with fighting for those principles and living by those principles. But always remember... They can have a cost and they can have a price and you have to determine if that's going to be a fair exchange. I mean, words of wisdom uh, to this day. And we're talking 45 years later, probably at least I still remember that that has guided a lot of my decision-making even on the investment side. When I look at particular investments and this does not happen very often, but there are times that I will avoid a particular investment because of principle. And I'm going to mention just one. Now, this is me speaking, and let me be very clear. I'm going to give the disclaimer here. This is not a buy, sell, particularly a sell, hold recommendation at all. It's talking about the fact, are you willing to pay a potential price for your principles? Now, my own personal story that I'm about to tell here pales in comparison to this poor man's situation where his life went downhill after he yeah, fought a little too hard for principles that others would say wasn't worth it. It wasn't that big of a deal anyway. You were making too much out of a mountain or a mountain out of a molehill and, it, and, and, and he paid a, a serious price. Nothing like that is going to be descriptive of what I'm about to tell you about here. Okay. Let me be very, very clear. But 
I was fortunate enough early on to get into this IPO of a company called Facebook. And as you probably know, it's, you know, it's been around more than a, a, a decade or so, just as an IPO. Of course, the company's been around uh, for about 20 years or so. And we did very well in it. I did very well uh, in it. But I sold it. Gosh, I don't know how many years ago, four or five years ago, maybe, on principle. As word was starting to get out because of their, on their algorithms, that they were using personal data more than we ever thought. Remember when this was first breaking? And they were using our data to sell things and how creepy that was to all of us. Like, whoa, this is way more than I thought. I said, I, I really have an issue with this. And I can't in good conscience, this is just for me, I don't care about anybody else, just for me, I cannot continue to hold this company when I don't believe in what they're doing. So I sold it. I have left a ton of money on the table because I had quite a bit in it at the at, when I sold it. And I sit there and part of me laments it and goes, oh my gosh, if I added up, if I had just kept the stock. You know, just this year alone, Facebook has almost tripled. I just looked at it during the break to, to make sure that it was up, up, up close to that. Sure enough, it's up 191% this year alone. I got to be honest. Recently, a few months ago, I thought about getting back in and I would already be up again. The reason, because I think the stock is actually fairly cheap based on what I think Zuckerberg could potentially do with this company and some of the AI and high tech stuff. This is long, long term. Again, that's not a buy recommendation at all. I'm telling you what happened here recently again, just as I was about to, Oh, conveniently forget the principles that I had against this company four or five years ago. I just thought as a pure investment, okay, maybe they've cleaned up the algorithms a little bit. No, they haven't. I don't do this very often, but I'm actually going to read verbatim from an article. So bear with me. It's just going to take a minute. But this is from the Wall Street Journal just a few days ago. Actually, more than a few days ago. It's dated November 28th. So a couple weeks ago. I quote, the Wall Street Journal sought to determine what Instagram Reels algorithm would recommend to test accounts. Now, you should know that Facebook owns Instagram. So this is a Facebook issue. To recommend test accounts set up to follow only young gymnasts, cheerleaders, and other teen and preteen influencers active on the platform. So what the journal was doing is saying, we hear all these stories about these creepy old guys that are getting on and, and engaging in illegal activity on Instagram. And we're going to set up some test accounts. We're going to do this anonymously, and we're going to see what, what we actually see. I'm going to alert you in advance here that some of this is going to be uncomfortable to hear. It's going to be clean, but it's just going to present some images that are going to really turn your gut. Instagram systems serve jarring doses of salacious content to those test accounts, including risque footage of children, as well as overtly sexual adult videos, along with ads for some of the biggest U.S. brands. So in other words, these big U.S. brands don't even know that their ads are being placed alongside many of these salacious videos. It continues, the journal set up the test accounts after observing that the thousands of followers of such young people's accounts often include large numbers of adult men 
and that many of the accounts who follow those children also had demonstrated interest in sex content related to both children and adults. In a stream of videos recommended by Instagram, that's the key, recommended by Instagram because that's what the algorithms were feeding everybody, an ad for the dating app Bumble appeared between a video of someone stroking the face of a life-size latex doll and a video of a young girl with a digitally obscured face lifting up her shirt to expose her midriff. In another, a Pizza Hut commercial followed a video of a man lying on a bed with his arm around what the caption said was a 10-year-old girl. This is sick. It's illegal. But it is happening. And the journal went to Facebook and said, what about this? You say you're clinging, clinging it up. This was easy to do. We did these test accounts and this is what we're getting fed back to us saying, this is what we should be viewing on your company's sites. Quote, the company declined to comment on why the algorithms compiled streams of separate videos showing children's sex and advertisements. And by the way, the, Can the Canadians got involved here, too. There's an organization called the Center for Child Protection. That's a child protection group. And they separately ran similar tests on their own, found the same thing. So I'm back to saying <laughs> I had principles before, and it was basically just because, yeah, I didn't like the, how they were using our personal data. This has taken it to a new level. I still look at Facebook and again, this is not Facebook I'm talking about. This is Instagram. I don't use Instagram. And it wasn't because of this. It's just never been my thing. It, is that a younger person's thing? I, I guess. I'm in my 60s. Instagram has never really appealed to me or my friends. But after reading this, I'm thinking, why would I? And, and let me tell you something, folks. If you're listening right now and you are the parent, especially of a teenage girl or younger or a grandchild, especially of a girl, you better know what they're posting. It amazes me how many parents do not know what their kids are up to when it comes to social media. I, I know that I'm just repeating what everybody has said. I'm just another voice in the wilderness here saying the same thing. But this is sick. And why we don't have, I know occasionally this gets talked about in Congress and people like Zuckerberg get called up before committees and say, you got to change this. All right. And then, and then the media kind of loses interest and, and it goes away. I thank the Wall Street Journal for doing this kind of investigative work. That's why I love the Wall Street Journal. In my opinion, the best news outlet in the world. I read it every day religiously except for Sundays because they don't come out front to back by the way not every word of course but I'll skim certain articles and then I came across this and I said I even I'm looking at what I wrote here on November 28th I printed it off and I said good at your service article next time I'm on and why I will never buy the stock again so there you go folks something to think about we'll be right back baseball is back and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. 
Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. That's a recording of me. I'm singing. Listen, I'm really good. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. All right, maybe it's not. That's what... Any skills or talents or abilities that when you think about it, if you could ask for one that you do not have, of course we do. That's mine. I wish that I could... You see some of these viral videos where people will... will They'll step up to a piano like at the airport and then they'll just start playing or at a mall and they'll just play this beautiful piano and then they'll start singing and then everyone will gather around. They're taking video. and It's just some unknown guy. I'm thinking, oh, man, I wish that could be me just to get up. There. I don't even have to play the piano, just sing. But alas, I have a range that and I'm and I'm putting my uh, finger uh, index finger and thumb almost touching. My range is that. If I can actually hold a note, but that's the problem. It's got to be like that note. Like, can you sing in the key of whatever? Yes, I can do that. But do not adjust it because I can't go much higher or lower and then it gets pitchy. Anyway, just um, I appreciate a very talented voice. All right, so let's, we were... Uh, we got a little deep there in the last segment, didn't we? So let's let's talk about something that's not controversial. Politics. <clears throat> so I don't know if you saw this, but the 118th Congress, that's what we're in now, 118th Congress, has some of the fewest laws to show for it in the history of Congress. Here's what I'm talking about. So far, so we're coming up on one year. When we look at actual inauguration, okay, so we're looking at January earlier of this year, 118th Congress, so it's every two years, of course. So they're coming up on their first year. How many laws have they actually passed that the president signed into law? 20. Now, on a relative basis, you're thinking, okay, is is that a lot? Is that not much? Oh, I don't know. It's like, One of the lowest in history. To give an example, last year, or I'm sorry, the last uh, Congress, which was the 117th Congress, so we'll go back a couple of years, in their first year, they passed 350 laws. The most, and we go all the way back to the uh, more than 30 years ago, uh, when I went back and looked at this, the most in the past 30-plus years, was the 106th Congress. They were in place January of 99 to January of 01. It's right at the turn of the century, right? And they passed a little over 500 laws that were signed into law by then-President Bush in his first year. Let me repeat again, right now we are at 20. It's not even close in terms of the fewest ever. Now, some of you may say, that's actually good news. Good. Like, get out of the way. You can't mess anything up. I I do kind of understand that sentiment to some degree. 
But we also have to be adults here because there are things. Congress is there for a reason, and there are some very important things to be addressed. How about like the subject matter that I just talked about that I don't even hardly want to mention again with uh, Instagram and the stuff that's being allowed there? Hey, how about going after that kind of stuff and passing some laws? Huh? So this is really, it's pretty obvious what's going on. You've just got a very divided Congress, and they can't agree on anything. And it's really being held hostage by, I don't know, half dozen Republicans. And and we know who they are. And um, all the other Republicans would be willing to maybe work on some things with their fellow Democrats. But when you've got this group of yahoos over here, they're not going to want to participate in anything. Well, that's that's what you get. So we'll see if that changes. But is it? In the second year, how, we don't have an election till next November. So in the second year of this Congress, I don't see necessarily that that's going to change at all. On the subject, I, I am a political junkie. I, I really am. I'm just fascinated by, on the Republican side, this primary. Now, I have always vowed, even though I have very strong personal political opinions, as all of us do, right? We all have where we side ideologically and what our background is and who we want to run and win as president. Okay, I'm no different. But I end up, the last thing you need is another Yahoo on here bloviating on and on and having hot takes about this and that politically. I'm not going to do that ever. But I still don't mind talking about politics more from kind of that sideline um, play-by-play guy sort of describing what's going on and then maybe giving my take without saying what I support or not. So the thing that I want to talk about here, which I find fascinating, is this huge lead that Donald Trump has uh, on the GOP side of things for the primary. We know that. But Nikki Haley, it's very fascinating to me how she is slowly, just slowly kind of chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then I just saw, did you see this in this latest poll in New Hampshire, that Haley now is just 15 points behind Trump. That's the closest that Trump has been to any other GOP candidates in any state. So Iowa, it does look like he's going to run away with it dozens and dozens of points. But And everyone's kind of conceded that, I think. But what's going to happen is then the following states after that. And if Nikki Haley gets on a little bit of a roll and she gets into her home state of South Carolina, now still to this day, it's very Trump heavy in South Carolina. But that's what happens. This is why I bring this up, because we need to dig into the numbers here a little bit. When we do so, we can see that maybe Nikki Haley, there's more of a story here than just a 15 point difference between the two. So the latest poll Like I said, it's a 15-point difference, and that is Trump's tally of 44% of likely voters in New Hampshire and 29% for Nikki Haley. So there's your 15-point difference. However, think about this. Chris Christie in the same poll has 10% support. If Chris Christie dropped out of the race tomorrow, where does his 10% go? It's not going to Trump. I bet you the vast majority of it's going to Nikki Haley. Chris Christie has really uh, shown some deference toward Nikki Haley. He, he did it again at the last uh, debate and basically stood up for her. So there's a good chance that 10%, uh, will 8% of that 10%, would that go over to Nikki Haley and all of a sudden that closes the gap even more? I, I think there's a good chance of that. How about um, uh, DeSantis? Where does he poll in New Hampshire? Not much better than Christie at 11%. Isn't that interesting? So you've got Trump at 44, Nikki Haley at 29, 
And the guy that everyone thought a year ago and even two years ago would be maybe the next president is at 11% in New Hampshire. He just is not going anywhere, and he is not making the inroads like Nikki Haley is. So where does his 11% go? I don't think it's as obvious as Christie, but DeSantis followers, a lot of them are former Trump people that say, you know, I I still like, I like what Trump did for the country. I like his policies, but I'm just tired of the chaos. I just, we we, we just don't need that guy in for another four years of the divisiveness. So I'm going to go DeSantis. Now, some of those people might reluctantly go back to Trump and just say, oh gosh, okay, well, I... I still want him in there over the other choices. So I don't know. Is it half and half? I'm just guessing. I'm just talking out loud. I have no idea. But you think some, let's just split that down the middle and it kind of keeps the gap the same there. And then you've got Vivek or Vivek Ramaswamy. He only has 5%. He drops out. I'm pretty sure most of that 5% goes to Trump. So bottom line, when you start to divide up, the gap closes even more. And this is not even really talking about some independence here. And I think you're going to have more independence would go for a Nikki Haley than a Donald Trump. So I think the gap is probably a little bit closer than we think. And that's a big assumption, by the way, that you're even having some of these people drop out before New Hampshire. DeSantis is not. So it's kind of a moot point. Ramaswamy, I think because of his ego, he stays in for as long as we, he can. And I'll tell you why. Because he's pretty convinced that Trump will win the White House again. And we know how Trump rewards his most loyal, get on your knees and bow to me people. And Ramaswamy is in the lead pack of that. So he's going to hang out until the last minute that he can, probably. That leaves Chris Christie. I think he would be the first to go. I think he realizes that he's just not gaining anything. And I think a lot of that 10% probably goes to Nikki Haley. And then the polls start to tighten. And that's where momentum is. Um, Some people get mad when I say this. Again, let me be very clear. This is not a personal desire of me. That's all I'm going to say. This is not what I want But I tell you this as just a political observer here. If the election were to be held today, in my opinion, Donald Trump wins. Because he wins the GOP primary. Let's just hypothetically here. This can't happen, of course. But let's say the GOP primary was today and the election, the general election, is tomorrow. Trump wins today, the GOP primary. And he most likely beats Biden tomorrow. What happened in Colorado late today, notwithstanding. I think the Supreme Court is going to reject that and turn it back. That's my own opinion. But, my friends, can we all agree here in mid-December, so much can happen. There's no way that I would bet a, a, a nickel on what may happen next November. That's just what I'm telling you today. So... This is going to be one of the more interesting, and I, <laughs> you put italics around that one. That's a kind way to put it for 2024. And uh, all the other times that I'll be hosting on At Your Service, I look forward to the time where I can spread the wings a little bit and not always talk about just financial and investment stuff, but really get into the politics of it like I have just now. All right, so I'm going to take the last break here, and we're going to have some... Uh, I guess some fun stuff. We're going to talk about mountain resorts, which people think about a lot this time of year, the snow and the skiing and all that. And we're going to 
talk about uh, what is listed as the best mountain uh, cities to live in in the country, according to a recent survey. So stay with it. It's 945 in St. Louis. You're listening to At Your Service here on KMOX. Dave Simons filling in. We'll be right back. Happy holidays. This is Tom Ackerman at KMOX Sports. From the Ackerman family to your family, we wish everyone a happy holiday and a wonderful new year. Happy holidays from KMOX. It's all cold down along the beach. The wind's whipping down the boardwalk. That's right, Bruce. You guys, all, you guys all been good and practicing real hard? I think we have, Bruce. 949 in St. Louis. Of course, that's Bruce Springsteen. You know, I gosh, I hate to even admit this because some people are going to go, you're, Dave, you're the biggest idiot out there. Well, you maybe many of you already say that, but this is really going to cement it for you. Are, there are some bands that are very famous and well-known that some of you will say, I don't know, I never connected. I don't get it. You know, like, I know the Rolling Stones are supposed to be the greatest ever. I just, they never spoke to me. They're not one of my favorite bands. Well, for me, it was always Springsteen. I don't know why. I recognize his talent. I really do. And how successful he's been. And he's of my generation. And I remember... When Born to Run came out in 74, and I had a friend who was learning the guitar, and he learned how to play it, and we'd sit there and we'd sing it. But it just never spoke to me. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know I don't know why that is. And I guess to some degree it is kind of like the Stones. I, I Again, I recognize their greatness in the annals of rock and roll history, but it's just, I actually like The Who better. I, I just did. I Back in the late 70s, in fact, I went and saw The Who at the old Checker Dome in 79. And I didn't see the Stones until they were at Bush Stadium. Gosh, when was that? In the 2000s or so? When they were old back then. <laughs> I mean, who knew that they would still be out there touring decades later? Anyway, I digress. It's 951. Okay. Uh, another thing that I've never really connected with, by the way, I'm not a big um, winter mountain skiing guy. Never really appealed to me. Um I know somebody very well right now who's with his family skiing out there in Colorado. They go every year. They love it. I never did it. I will go to the mountains during the summer. In fact, my um, honeymoon with my lovely wife in 1988 was in Breckenridge, Colorado. Let me tell you something. I was, what, 26 years old. You know, that was the first time I ever saw the mountains. I was 26 years old. So maybe that's why I never connected. Look, like I said before, I came from a, a, a teaching family, right? We didn't have a ton of money. We didn't take vacations. It, I guess it didn't help that uh, my parents divorced when I was 14. So there went any potential vacation after that. We basically really took one vacation, and that was to go see one of the Apollo flights take off down in Cape Canaveral in the early 70s. And that was pretty cool. But that was it for my whole life. That was the only vacation. You don't know what you... You don't miss what you don't know, right? I, I never said, oh, woe is me. All my friends take vacations. I never even thought about it. I say that because I, I read with interest 
from this uh, travel magazine that said, here are the best mountain towns to visit in America. And I say that I'm not a mountain town kind of guy, but I look at this and go, of these 10, I've been to five of them. So I, I do travel quite a bit, and I have enjoyed it, but none of them did I visit ever in the winter. These are all summer visits. Number one was a place that I just visited for the first time kind of by accident this past summer, and that's Taos, New Mexico. I wouldn't have thought that that... I don't think of that as like a pure mountain town. I mean, it is up there, up in New Mexico, but Taos is very interesting. Anyway, that came out as number one. Number two is another place I've been to, and that was just to see some friends compete in an Ironman a couple of years ago, and that's Lake Placid. And I love that place. But again, it was summertime. Number three, Telluride, Colorado. I have been there as well in the summer. <laughs> Number four, I'm not really familiar with this city, but it came out as the fourth best mountain town to visit in America, according to Thrillist Travel, and it's Truckee, California. Just like it sounds, truck with two E's, Truckee, California. Number five, what a beautiful area. Oh, my goodness. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Um, you know, they actually did an Ironman event there for a couple of years, but they kept running into forest fire issues and smog and all that kind of stuff, so they stopped doing it. Number six, Livingston, Montana. I have not been there. Now, I, I have been up to Glacier National Park. That's not considered a mountain town, so that would not even be eligible for those this list, but that's an area of the country that's just beautiful. Number seven, oh, do I agree with this. Again, summertime only but I have spent a few days here, Park City, Utah. Of course, Park City, Utah has to make a top 10 list of best mountain towns to visit in America. Number eight, Homer, Alaska. Only four states I've never been to yet in the U.S., and Alaska is one of them. That's my loss that is going to change within the next couple of years. Homer, Alaska. Number nine, Lewisburg, West Virginia. Never been there. And number 10. I guess this is two little towns put together because they've got a, a, a hyphen here, but it's Lead hyphen Deadwood, South Dakota. So there you go, number 10. Uh, and there's your top 10 best mountain cities or best mountain towns to visit in America. As far as I know, as seen five of them, I, I, I um, uh, could not agree more. All right, my friends, if you have any interest in signing up for the uh, Dave Simons, that would be me, Weekly email commentary that goes out every Friday. Of course, it's free. And by the way, I always say this, but I always feel like I have to repeat it because you're sold things all day long, right? Cell phones, we're always, I'm getting more spam calls on cell phones now. I, I don't know what's going on all the time. You're always being sold something. You might do one survey and then nine different survey companies are spamming your email or calling you on the phone. That's not what happens here. I don't even see your email address. It's put on a template. It's carbon copied. All I do is I write the weekly commentary, which I have a lot of fun doing it because of my journalistic background and compliance approves it. And then it is sent out to you blind carbon copy. Do with the information what you will. But it's just my take on what's happening in the financial markets here in the country and sometimes around the world. And it occasionally letting everybody know sort of what we're doing about it in our little corner of the world. So if you would like to sign up for it, 
you need to email david.simons at ubs.com. That's David period Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, at U-B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. You don't have to write anything in the body of the, of the email, just in the subject line. Sign me up for your newsletter, however you want to word it, and you will be on that list. All right, folks. Uh, my next time that I'll be on is uh, mid-January or so. I always tell people in the commentary, so maybe you'll be on that list. All right, in the meantime, blessed Christmas, happy holidays, and we'll talk again soon. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.